I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dead Rock Stars with Mick Wall and Joel McIver. Welcome, everyone, to yet another killer episode of Dead Rockstars. Now, you may notice, you may not, but you may notice that the general ambiance of our voices is a little echoey today, and that's because we're recording in a different location, uh, because like the people we talk about in our series, Mick, we're international travelling rockstars, essentially, would you say? But not dead. But not dead yet. Yet. That is still some yeah. time away. Now, I'm here with my dear friend, Mick Wall. Are you going to explain why it's echoing? Uh, it's echoey because we're in a different place with a larger room. And we're both naked... And it's a shower room. Yeah, uh, budget's been slashed, unfortunately, at 7 Digital, so uh, we're doing the best we can. Anyway, it's appropriate, really, because we're talking about country rock today, which is a sort of raw, primitive music. Well, that's, hang on, can I just stop you right you, there? You may, you may. Yeah. Country rock? I believe that's the term at hand, isn't it? Country rock? Correct me if I'm wrong, please. You would describe Leonard Skinner as country rock? I would. Tell me if that's wrong. Tell me how it's right. I, I had assumed that because... Um, you had assumed it. Have you ever heard their music? Yeah, many times. Never heard anything by Leonard Come Skinner. on, tell me where I'm going wrong here. Well, tell me why you think it's country rock, because you've brought this up, not Okay, me. fine. Well, where does it stand in the sort of pantheon of country? It's not your old traditional country and Western music, but there are country elements, I'm right. I think what you're grasping for is southern Rock. Well, it, tell me, the, define that slight difference for me, for those, the people who don't know. You're the only man in the world that doesn't know. I, I don't have to define that difference. Just in case... Are Molly Hatchet a country rock band? Well, that's a very good question. Were the Allman Brothers a country rock band? They had some country in their sound. Were they a country rock band, yes or no? Uh, I'm going to plead the fifth on that. Yeah. Tell me. No, please. they fucking weren't. They so, were a rock band that came from a certain part of... The country yeah. that informed their sound. Florida in the but case they of did Leonard not, Skinner. The only thing country about Leonard Skinner was the hat that Ronnie Van Zant used to wear. And I don't mean on his head. So we're talking about a southern rock band as opposed to a country rock band. At last, the, the light comes through no, the blind. I, I genuinely was not aware that there was a significant difference. So tell me, man, you know, fill me in here. What's the difference? Okay, what's the difference between Metallica and country rock. <laughs> are you then suggesting that the differences are huge between your well, country rock no, and your southern rock? No, I'm just suggesting they are obvious. Please run me through them. Come on, we've got to get okay. there. We've got to okay. get to this point okay. somehow. Okay. Hank Williams? Yes. Country? Yes. Country, definitely, yeah. Yes. Johnny Cash? Country for sure. Okay. 
Allman Brothers. Come on, you can do it. Well, see, I would have said country rock. But you're saying okay, southern Okay, what country rock, song did the Allman Brothers do? Uh, it was called uh, Down at the Shanty at Tea Time. Let's start again. We're talking about Leonard Skinner. Definitely not fucking country fucking rock. Not that there's anything wrong with country Nothing rock. wrong with being country? Nothing wrong with being country. Just don't be a cunt about so, it. Southern rock. Where does it start? Where does it finish? Oh, I don't think you... That's like saying, where does the blues begin Is, and end? Yeah, no, I think okay, that's fair. Very, can we get off on the right foot now and say, this episode of Dead Rock Stars concerns Ronnie Van Zandt. Ronnie Van Zandt. Ronnie Van Zandt, who no one in history has ever thought of, oh, yes, country star Ronnie Van Zandt. Is it really that inaccurate? No, no, country, I wouldn't say straight country. Clearly, Yes, it's that Nelson. fucking inaccurate. Have you actually ever mm. heard of a Leonard Skinner album? Yeah, many of them. Because Led Zeppelin had country tunes. I wouldn't call them country fucking rock. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think we've established our point Fuck fairly well me. at this point. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So right. we're talking about Ronnie Van Zandt. Yes, apparently. Have you heard of Ronnie Van Zandt? Yes, I'm familiar with his He was a fantastic album. singer in a fantastic band called Leonard Skinner, and he died tragically young at the age of 29. 29 only. The kind of highlight facts are the, that they came from Jacksonville, Florida... They didn't come from Alabama, but as they once said, Sweet Home Jackson doesn't quite have the same ring about it as Sweet Home Alabama. Well, scan, no, indeed. Uh, they formed in high school, Yeah. named themselves after a particularly recalcitrant uh, gym teacher. Leonard Skinner. Leonard right. Skinner. And uh, that's why the band is pronounced Leonard Skinner. Yeah. And in fact, the title of their first album, pronounced, pronounced. Leonard Skinner, yeah. known forever after as... Leonard Skinner. I was reading about the teacher who went Were on you? to have a little bit of fame after this. Yeah, yeah. He only died a few years ago. Did he? And he, um, probably the most famous PE teacher there's been, you know what I mean? And he, he uh, never really enjoyed being the guy that propelled Skinner to fame and fortune. But at the same time, he recognised it with a sense of humour and became a bit of a legend in his own right, which is a nice little interlude. And did he know they thought he was a twat? Well, I'm not sure that's been expressed on the record. I think, you know, he knew that they were rebelling against his sort of no long hair regime and all right. this stuff. But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, they hated him. Yeah. yeah. Um, when they were recording that first album, they had a picture of him on the wall and they would throw darts at it <laughs> and then shoot bullet holes into it <laughs> and then set fire to it and bury it in the back of the studio garden. Yeah, he wasn't their idol. That may know. not be true, but yeah, yeah, I may yeah. have read No, but I, I like your style, dude. I always have. So in terms of musical influences... Yeah. For those of you that feel there is a country tinge to Leonard Skinner, uh, one of their really big musical influences was Free. Mm, mm. They loved Paul Rogers, particularly loved Paul Kossoff. I mm. mean, what wasn't there to like about Free? Mm. But, I mean, that real kind of down-home um, funk, yeah. as well as that firebrand rock. And, of course, being where they come from, the southern states of America, mm -hmm. it was more about R&B, more mm. about the blues, more about that thing that the Allman Brothers uh, had captured just yeah. before Leonard Skinner came along. Yeah. So, given the era, the late 60s, early 70s, it was very much a rock phenomenon. Yeah. <clears throat> These were guys with hair down to their belt buckles. Mm. Country stars might have that now, but in 1970, that would be likely to get you shot mm, if you mm. tried walking down Main Street, Nashville, looking like that. What was, um, just about, in what was Jacksonville, Florida? I mean, the modern reference to Jacksonville, believe it or not, comes from Limp Biscuit, 
the rap metal band, right. who describe themselves as redneck motherfuckers from right. Jacksonville. Yeah, right? yeah well, so it's, it's very much in the heartland redneck of that kind of territory. Yeah. Redneckery. But you're yeah. talking yeah. boogie. You know, you're right. talking boogie. Yeah, yeah, you're talking yeah. blues. You're talking man's music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now this lonesome heart train whistling that you love. It's funny, we were talking about the Abbott brothers, were we not, the other day? Vinnie the Paul, who? Vinnie Paul and Dimebag. Oh, yeah. And how them yeah. being Texan yeah. informs their music yeah. to its very So core. would you say Pantera were a country rock band? Are you saying there's no country in Skinner's Sound? Would you say Pantera were a country rock band? Influenced by... Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, of course. Yeah. That whole I, no, sort of I agree with home you. I agree with you. I'm only teasing. No, you can tease. I like it when you tease. Okay, all right. <laughs> this is turning into a very different kind of a podcast. Um, so here we are, ostensibly discussing Ronnie Van Sant, whose only country influence was his hat and his cowboy boots. Mm-hmm. I suppose you could call it cowboy boot rock. Well, that's a step a step towards it. Right? Hey, oh, oh, take your partner by the hand. That's it. No, this is a this is a rock band. Yeah, this is okay. a defiant, yeah. rebellious rock band. This is Rebel Yell. What were they rebelling against? Everything. Mm. What you got? What was anybody rebelling against in those days? The man. Yeah, man, as personified by Mr. Skinner, you know, teacher extraordinaire. You yeah. know, mm. defiant. We were just rebelling against the fact that the pigs needed offing. Yeah. And fuck the government. So um, one of the very first songs they write is this, and this is this actually, in a musical sense, does define them as not being country rock. Yeah, is this twelve-minute rock epic that owes its ambition, its musical architecture, yeah, yeah. owes much more to the Doors, to the Beatles and Led Zeppelin mm. groups that heard composed rock songs that actually were almost operatic in scale. And unconstrained by conventional sort of... Unconstrained by the the idea of making a three-minute hit. And this is, of course, Freebird. Do you like that song? Um, I think I liked it the first 400,000 times I heard it. But it's it's one of those weird songs. It is like Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I really don't need to ever hear it again. No. It's in the DNA, isn't it? But should you be in a position where it's thrust upon you, mm. it's still a great musical moment. It is. You have to like guitar solos to enjoy it. Well, if you like rock music, it's a fair bet that that's probably part of your makeup. It's true. But you have to enjoy an, an insane amount of guitar solos. This from the man who likes cannibal chords. Yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> As you say, it's a long old thing. Nine minutes, I think, on the original record. Um, I uh, last saw it used in a film called The Devil's Rejects, a horror film, sort of country horror film, not a southern horror film, country horror film. And uh, in the final scene, there was this sort of huge bloodbath shot in in slow motion, very Sam Peckinpah style. And uh, they used the whole of Freebird, the entire nine minutes, to soundtrack this one scene of Carnage, which was really, really well done. It's directed by Rob Zombie, the, the singer. Right. And uh, anyway, that's the last instance of, of its being used, but it's been used incessantly, right? It was in Forrest Gump. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's used in the same way, you know, if Jimmy Page wasn't so totalitarian about his allowing the use of Stairway to yeah. Heaven yeah. in certain things, it would be just as ubiquitous, yeah. you know, because it's one of those... If you're trying to signify a certain thing, it works extremely well. Yeah. But of course... The song that introduced Leonard Skinner to the world 
is Sweet Home Alabama. From the second record. From the second record, Second mm. Helping. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the famous story behind that was they had written the song and they rang up Al Cooper, mm. who had signed the band to MCA, already considered the worst record label in America at that point. Why, why was that? Because they were just shit. You know, they, they, they couldn't make a hit record oh, if okay. their mm. fucking lives depended on it. Mm-hmm. In fact, Leonard Skinner later on recorded a track called Working for MCA, which was another one of their big anthems. Yeah. And that was very much against the man, because <laughs> MCA were crap. I, I was just explaining to Ian before we came on air that uh, for a while MCA was known as the Music Cemetery of America. Yeah, That's how bad the label well. was. I thought of that as well, just as you said it. In fact, I think it was you that told me, and then I told Ian. That's it. But no, you remember you said it to me earlier, you texted it to me, mind you, to tell you. Yeah, yeah, no, it's me. Everyone knows that fact. Dead Rock Stars. Carpe diem, baby. I mean, they do have three guitarists. How on earth do you make three guitarists work? I mean, the Allman Brothers had two drummers. Iron Maiden, Radiohead. They all failed. Radiohead failed don't have three guitarists. I'm afraid they do. Do Radiohead have three? The thing about radio is you'd never know they have three guitars. No, you, would you wouldn't. Well, there you go. I mean, I can't see Where them have all giving those guitars gone in the, the mix, day right? they yeah. do Freebird as an encore and show me what they got. Can you imagine? Yeah. As for Iron Maiden, bless their hearts. Well, bless the Iron They don't heart. need three guitars, no, do they? No. We, we, I mean, they survive perfectly well with two. Yeah. For about twenty years. No, it's an. And then because uh, no one had the heart to get rid of Yannick, dear old Yannick. Now we have three. And then there were three. The magic sauce, of course, in Leonard Skinner, as there's so many mm. rock bands, mm. possibly them all, was the front man. Yeah. And in Leonard Skinner, of course, Ronnie, he's part sheriff, mm. part leader of the gang, mm. part Jesse James. And before you get into the country thing, mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. so much a cowboy as an outlaw. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. One of the really odd things about him, and of course, you and I have known so many rock musicians and young rock stars are talking yeah. about I'll be dead before I get to 30 yeah. you know yeah. Pete Townsend hope I die before I grow old Lemmy I don't want to live forever yeah liar but uh, Ronnie Van Zandt would tell his wife would tell his best friends anybody that would listen to the point of tedium that he would not make it to 30 it's chilling isn't it well, he died 87 days before his 30th birthday. And it does, I mean, it sounds crass, but when you look yeah. look at the detail and how many people talked about this, yeah. it's almost a death wish. You know, it's almost kind of like he wants to die before 30. It wasn't sort of young man's bravado? I think so. Yeah, yeah. In his case, though, it does seem to have become a kind of centre of his belief yeah. system. yeah. You know, in terms of how he then lived his life. Ah, so what kind of lifestyle did he lead? Well, um, one of the reasons I uh, became a rock writer back in the middle and late 70s was a friend of mine in those days, Peter McCoskey. Oh, yeah. Who's now a very well-known rock writer. Mm -hmm. I used to share a a, a hippie type of place with with, uh, his sister lived there as well. I got to know Pete. And I found out he was a writer of a sounds magazine. And I remember thinking... Just how boring that job must be because, <laughs> you know, you get to a show, you watch yeah, the show, yeah, yeah. and now you have to go home and write about it. Yeah. To me, that seemed cruel and unusual punishment for going out and enjoying it. Sort of a way of 
making the the experience very dry and boring you mean yeah uh, distilling it into words yeah I, yeah, yeah and i just yeah. couldn't anyway I, yeah, he yeah. came to visit us he just got back from the southern states of america yeah where he'd been writing a story on a group called leonard skinner who of course i'd heard of because this is like 76 at this point yeah so a year before the fatal plane crash right. yeah, yeah and he'd written about them early on and so they you know what it's like they embraced him yeah you know, as, as yeah bands that you've helped along the way yeah um, we call it ball cupping in uh, my area of journalism do they you cup some balls help them along a bit is that what they call it? And, and is that the same when you do your music journalism as well <laughs> go on so when you're not down the gym so there was some mutual ball cupping going on between Pete and Skinner I don't think Ronnie Van Zandt would Metaphoric. have appreciated metaphorically I tell you what there was going on Pete described being on the back of the motorbike holding on to Ronnie Van Zandt yeah literally no helmets or you know yeah. hand signals yeah. just off, off they go <laughs> he hadn't studied the highway code no no, no no mirror highway signal manoeuvre none yeah. of that yeah, none yeah. of that this side of the road business <laughs> and they turn up at some biker's bar in the middle of the swamp land somewhere yeah and it is it is just all hell breaks loose it's oh, man. boozing yeah. drugging what kind of drugs cocaine uh, uh, weed Probably, you know, that beautiful biker-made speed that keeps you awake for three weeks and nice. leaves you psychotic for yeah, the rest of your yeah, life. Possibly open, some yeah, of yeah. that, if you're a real man, yeah. you know, if you're looking for a proper good time. Possibly some whiskey. Um, very much some there whiskey, yes. some whiskey. Yes, yeah, yeah. bourbon so and right. Pete endured all this. I mean, he was right in there. Of course. What a man, that's brilliant. Anyway, th- this goes on till five in the morning. Next thing, there's an altercation between one of the band and one of the gang members. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, Next thing, there are firearms drawn. Oh, heavens. Bullets fired. <laughs> and then, get on the bike! Get on the fucking bike! Get on the fucking bike! Fucking I'm listening hell. to this going, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this was the social media in those days, was people telling stories. Of course. And I said, how long were you out there with them? He said, about two weeks. And I remember thinking... I was working in an employment agency at the time. <laughs> I remember where, thinking, where was the employment agency? Uh, in Acton High Street. <laughs> it's all a bit different in West it, London. From, from Florida. And, yeah. and Acton is not so great now, but back in those days, it was, you know, like across yeah. 110th Street, you yeah, know, right, yeah. fucking awful. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I worked yeah. in an employment agency. They gave me a job because they couldn't find any other job for me. <laughs> that's where I was in my career. Um, so I lived in this hippie house for £20 a month. And by some bizarre coincidence, I'd lived there three months rent-free because I had stoned one day, uh, gone into a painting and decorating shop, I had a competition, guess the value of all these pots of paint and you can win £100. And I guessed it and I won. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you do with your 100 quid? Well, 60 went on three months' worth of rent at the hippie place and £40 kept me going for about the next year, you know. Um, Mate, that's one of the best stories we've yet had on this podcast. Well, when I'm dead, we'll be able to resurrect that, uh, that snippet. Mate, I'm going to carve it on your gravestone. <laughs> no, I'm going to put a load of paint next to it. That's assuming you're still around. Yeah, I'm going to make, I make get no such first. assumption. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I'm going to work. I'm waiting for the bus the next morning in the pissing rain yeah, yeah. at about 8.30. I'm thinking, what a fucking life that guy Pete lives, yeah. you know. Yeah. Now, imagine, this is 1976. Imagine if he'd just been on the road with Brotherhood of Man, <laughs> you know. I'd have probably thought, 
One thing you will never catch me doing is writing about fucking music. Yeah, right. Save your kisses for me. They, they had a detectable I love that country song. influence. Uh, no, they were more Southern England. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but outlaws, nonetheless. You've not heard of it? <laughs> outlaws in their own. Home county outlaws. That's... <laughs> Luckily, we were just talking bullshit at that point. I might as have a coffee while, would it? Is that meant to do that? Aren't you? We're not burning it out, are we? Don't, don't make me burn out another. No, I'm all right, thank you. Oh, that was brilliant. Right, I'll just do this and we'll get back to it. That's quite funny. I'm going to leave that in. Oh, yeah, it'd be funny. Okay. So, Mick, Skinner had a personal meaning for you, right? Because they dragged you kicking and screaming into rock genres. In a roundabout way. In manner of speaking, yeah. 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 I mean, along with bands like Thin Lizzy, The Stones, Led Zeppelin, they represented danger. All right. Or they represented something that went beyond the norms. Not just in the sense of, oh, this is crazy, but in the sense of, fuck you, you know? Fuck this job. Fuck that guy. Yeah. And uh, And, fuck all of this. And something completely different in every single way to Grey England in 1976. Yes, yes. And, of course, they were real. I mean, that, that, that's the thing about rock stars like Ronnie Van Zandt yeah, is yeah. people overlook the fact that they were real. And I think particularly from our vantage point here, you know, over 40 years later, you know, we've got the president of the United States lawyer saying truth isn't truth. You know, what is real? I don't even know anymore. But back in 1976, I knew Leonard Skinner. See, this were, is an over... Real overarching theme of what we talk about here because quite often we look back a few decades and it was a completely different world yeah and one of the major points you've just made is that you knew what was what back then right well you certainly knew what leonard skinnard were they were a country i mean a southern rock band (laughs) right listen this is a band of two halves isn't it very much in terms of their career they had that first period then the horrendous thing which we're about to discuss and then they came back and they just announced their farewell tour. I don't know if you picked up on that. True. But yeah. I'll remind you, we're here to talk about Ronnie. Well, fine. So you then, in 76, did you say? That was yeah. when you first yeah. became aware of them running around being crazy and going out with people. Yeah, I mean, I knew their music before then. Well, I mean, they were, they were albums, ubiquitous right. on British TV. They were on the old yeah. Grey Whistle Test. You couldn't escape Freebird. You know, if you went to a gig, if you went to see Uriah Heep at the Hammersmith Odeon in 1975, they'd be playing Freebird in the interval, you know. <laughs> Uh, they probably played it at David Bowie concerts, you know. I mean, it was just one of those things, yeah, like yeah. Stairway to Heaven or Whole Lot of Love, Good you know, enough. All Right Now. Mm. But, you know, Ronnie Van Zant, I don't know if it's a death wish, that's probably pushing it, but certainly a preoccupation yeah. with death, with his own demise. And at the age of 29, you know, on, on, on what becomes the final Leonard Skinner album, Street Survivors, you know, Ronnie writes this song, That Smell. Mm. Do you know that song? Yeah, it's partly about um, Alan Collins. I guess the specifics might be that, but he was also writing about himself because he'd, yeah, yeah. he'd actually crashed his car, uh, wrapped it round a tree just a few months before, was lucky to walk away from it, should have been killed. Yeah. And, of course, he was writing about the world they lived in because... You know, me sitting at home in London thinking of this group of hellraisers in the swamp with their bikes. You know, if you live that life, there's nothing particularly romantic or novel mm. about it. it mm-hmm. It's truly 
dangerous. And he talked just three or four months before he died about the forebodings he had. He said he wrote that song, you know, the chorus, ooh, 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 that smell, Mm. the smell of death surrounds you. And he talked about how he had this real feeling that things were about to go drastically fucking wrong. Some terrible kind of forces Mm. were lining up against them because things have been going their way for so long. You know, people forget at the time of the plane crash they were literally one of the biggest bands in the world their new album had come out just a few weeks before gone gold within two days and yet here they are flying around in this absolute piece of shit right which they they described as the clampets airplane didn't they right yeah old banger that was just yeah just about uh a a 30 year old convair prop plane now did this belong to them or was it rented no they rented it yeah you're right peter rudge who was their tour manager british guy had tour managed famously for the Rolling Stones right. in the late 60s and early 70s, was very much the tour manager du jour, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. If Richard Cole hadn't been so ensconced with Led Zeppelin, you could easily have seen Peter working with them. Okay. Yeah. He comes to the camp and he does a deal, $15,000 in three instalments to have this heap of shit fly them around the southern states. The very flight before the fatal one... 10 feet of flame had shot out. They only had two engines. Mm. 10 feet of flame had shot out of one of the engines, causing Cassie Gaines, one of the backing singers, Steve Gaines's sister, yeah. uh, to say she was never getting on that plane again. And, and they sweet-talked her into it. They more or less dragged her onto it. Christ. And she was one of the ones that died in the crash. Peter Rudge, ironically, would never travel on the plane. He always used to travel hmm. first-class in regular commercial yeah. air flights. Yeah. 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 Something which, in fact, they were really pissed off about and had vowed this would be the last time they ever flew in the Convair mm. and that afterwards they were going to get a Learjet because that's what the Stones that's what had. what real bands did, yeah. 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 Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Dead Rock Stars with Mick Wall 
and Joel McIver. All right, well, what happened, mate? What, what was the cause of, of the, what happened? Well, there's a, lots of stories. I okay. mean, there, there, yeah. there are stories about the two pilots smoking weed and yeah. sharing a bottle of bourbon. Okay. What actually happened was the engine that caught fire <laughs> on the previous flight caught fire again mm. and mm. stopped. And although they had just refueled, mm. they'd literally just refueled and taken off. They were suddenly perilously close to being out of fuel. Yeah. So either the thing was leaking fuel, which maybe helped cause the fire, who knows? Yes. But the second engine then died. Christ. And I was reading about this, and this next bit is really chilling because mm. I hadn't thought it through. I hadn't realized, but uh, the two pilots go into the, the rest of the plane, it's only a small plane, yeah. tell them what's happened. Both engines are dead, and at this point, we are in free fall. I suggest you get pillows, put your head between your knees, and buckle up tight. And it took them over 10 minutes to hit the ground. Good Lord. Ronnie was asleep. They woke him up because he needed to get his seatbelt on. Mm. And he was like, just let me sleep, man. And they're like, but Ronnie, the plane's going down. He gets up walks to the back of the plane, finds himself a pillow. On his way, he grins. He looks at one of the guys. I forget which one it was. Maybe yeah. Ed. He looks yeah. at one of the guys, grins at him and shakes his hand. And he said, Ronnie knew he was going to die. Jesus. Gets the pillow, back in the seat. And 10 minutes later, 10 of the longest minutes you mm. can ever imagine. Mm. Apparently it was dead quiet, other than people pleading to God to spare their lives. Mm. Mm. A lot of sobbing. God. And Ronnie just sitting there, not a word. And the uh, plane comes down at 90 miles an hour. Skimming some trees. Over yeah, there. which yeah. take off the wings, burst open the fuselage, separate the pilot cabin from the body, uh, of, the the body of the plane. The tail comes off, still moving. By the time it stopped, Ronnie Van Zant was already dead. Blunt force trauma to the head. He went straight into a tree. At 90 miles an hour? Yeah. And the two pilots, both dead, they were still strapped into their chairs, but the chairs had been ripped out of the plane and oh. were actually hanging upside down from trees. Christ. It's like um, a horror, horror film, isn't it? I can't think of a worse scenario. And, of course, with all horrors, there's this tiny bit of bleak humour, mm. which is, that mm. the, 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 you know, the, famously their drummer at the time, the fabulously named Artemis Pyle, <laughs> was in with the pilots when the second engine went and mm. they were maydaying. Mm. They were already maydaying, in fact, for somewhere to land. Mm. And the second engine went. And Artemis Pyle's father was a pilot yeah. who had died in a plane crash. Mm. And he said he could tell just looking at the pilots, he said they had death in their eyes. They'd clearly never, ever experienced anything like that before. They didn't have any training with what to do. Mm. One of the guys also on the plane whose name uh, tragically escapes me right this second, but apparently he went through to the pilots during the 10 minutes when they're whistling through the air. Yeah. Because there was no sound. The engines were gone. They, all they said they could hear was the, their own plane whistling yeah. through the air. God. He went through and said to them, I hope you motherfuckers survive because after this I'm going to kill you both. But they didn't. They were killed. Uh, six um, people in all died. People in the, who in the I think there were maybe like 20 and 6 died. Mm. But the people that survived, you know, had to go through months and years of mm. rehab. 
always makes me think profoundly that we are not meant to fly through the sky in a machine of five. <laughs> well, until you land in LA and it's 92 degrees and you think it's rather nice here. You know, when you fly to Israel or with Israelis, they clap when a plane lands. Lemmy used to clap. Oh, did he? <laughs> always. And he made it to 17. Died no, he would clap. Yeah. It wasn't like people would notice him enough anyway. Yeah. You know, right. But it would land. He'd go... Oh, real round of applause. It wasn't even a kind of a... It was, I am Lemmy. I am clapping. <laughs> notice me. I love that Sorry, story. I think I just blew Ian's digital eardrum. And everyone listening. But, um, I can't even summon up a, a kind of black humour to quip about this because the whole thing horrifies me so much. So he was 29 and he predicted his own death. He was 29, he oh, predicted his own death. But also, you know, uh, one of the backing singers had had a, a dreadful premonition dream two nights earlier mm. where she saw the plane smack into the ground and limbs missing and all kinds of stuff. And of course, you know, the people make a lot of the, you know, the album Street Survivors, the, the front cover. Yeah, the lineup of them. Yeah. They're all standing there swathed in flames. Yes. Right. So to the point where the record company... There's an alternate cover, isn't there? They withdrew the album and put it in a different cover uh, because uh, it just was, at the time, just considered too much. I was a mere child at the time. Tell me, was there much of a furore, an uproar, a kind of feeling of massive sadness and sympathy among the public? Uh, Only in the music press. Different world. You know, no social media. Mm. You know, dear old Vinnie Paul dies bless him, mm. and it's all over the internet and mm. everybody gets the message real quick. Which is a good thing. I think I think the communication speed is, is a good thing for us all, I have to well, say. Well, the Leonard Skinner thing, I mean, you know, a new story in sounds. NME were far too preoccupied by that stage with punk. Mm. Sounds were as well, but I also covered southern rock and heavy metal and stuff like that, <laughs> country metal, and... Uh, so it was a news story, yeah. I mean, it was yeah, a big yeah, story, yeah. but all the details only came out many, many years later. Of course. There mm. was a famous piece in Mojo magazine in about 96, which really laid it out. And that's, yeah. that was nearly 20 years later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was only then, really, that people grasped the full horror of the situation. Now, I know you said earlier we weren't going to talk about the history of, of Skinner, quite rightly, but the fact that they reformed 10 years later and continue to go till now and have consistently done so, and presumably to large audiences, that just indicates how beloved they are in America, right? They symbolise something, don't they? Yeah, definitely. Mm. And also, they, you know, the, the magic glow of death. You know, I mean, when Leonard Skinner relaunched, they launched with Ronnie's brother, Johnny Van Zandt. Yeah who did a very passable, oh, I was going to no, say impression, but that, that's unfair. It was yeah. his brother. It was mm. very close to Ronnie. Yeah. It would never be Ronnie. I'm not sure people complained, did they, about the lack of authenticity or anything like that? People still went to see him for the last 30 years. I didn't. Well, me neither. I actually did some PR for them very briefly in yeah. the 90s, yeah. And um, I had zero interest in seeing them. Not because I didn't love Leonard Skinner. Yeah. But Leonard Skinner died on that plane. Wow. You know, apart from Collins and Rossington. Yeah. I'm not a big fan for facsimiles. I remember years ago in the 90s, someone at a place I was working in said, oh, I'm off to see Black Sabbath tonight. Yay. Mm. And what he meant was Tony Iommi and three sidemen. Right. And I said, that's not Black Sabbath. Mm, But mm, to them mm, it was mm. like, no, no, it says... Black Sabbath, and mm-hmm. one of them was in Black Sabbath, so that makes it Black Sabbath. But I, as I always say, if Paul McCartney hires 
you know, DJ Ashber and Stephen Adler and who knows on bass and calls it the Beatles. Is it the fucking Beatles? Of course it's not the fucking Beatles, you know? <laughs> so, and also, where are their albums? Yeah. i tell you what we should do, though, while we're here, before we get on to Legacy. Yeah. We should mention Ed King. Oh, who recently departed. Who very, re- as we record call. this, who just departed, what, in the last week ago, or yeah. so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, Ed was a fabulous player. You know, mm. people overlook just how good that band were. Right. So I guess because it wasn't, at first sight, about sort of showing off your chops, perhaps that wasn't what people realised. But the fact remains that these people were all amazing musicians. Absolutely. They really were. They really were. And, and, and for me, one of the only bands ever that really did use those three guitars yeah, yeah. in a really interlocking, interweaving mm. way. Mm. And Ed King was a huge part of that. Mm. And him, Rossington, Collins, bless all of them... Uh, Ronnie's voice, actually, is evocative as hell. Yeah. And I'm sure there are other examples, but, you know, because of those two massive hits and all the other stuff, his voice is very much on the airwaves to this day, all these years later, even but, though he himself has not been around for so long. Let me ask you a question, though. In Sweet Home Alabama, mm. when he talks about there being a governor, mm. you know, he's referring oh, to, yeah. Yeah. to George Wallace, yes. famously right-wing. Yes, there's also a line about Watergate doesn't bother me. Mm. Does your conscience bother you? Mm-hmm. What's he saying? Are we talking about a real redneck kind of a... Yeah. Or is he saying something? Because don't forget, Watergate at that time, you know, you and I were chatting about James Brown a while mm. ago. Mm-hmm. James Brown and his band, the JBs, had a very famous track out around the same time as Sweet Home Alabama. Mm. And the chorus was, you can have Watergate, just give me the cash and I'll be great. Mm-hmm. No, you can, no, this is it. You can have Watergate, <laughs> just give me some bucks and I'll be great. All right, got it, yeah. You know, there was a certain kind of a fuck all this, yeah. you know, man on the moon, fucking Watergate. Yeah. Who gives a fuck, you know, because the real people are up against proper shit every day civil rights for example right? absolutely yeah, 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 I now i'm not right. saying that's what ronnie was saying mm-hmm. but whenever i hear that song you know he talks about how um, old neil young should remember a southern man don't need him around anyhow so help me out here what was the politics of the band i don't know all i know is is that neil young wrote a very famous song of his southern man mm-hmm. where he's essentially implying that rednecks are all racist and slavery states right well not just that but right wing nut gun toting nutcases which there may be a bit of truth to that (laughs) frankly yeah and ronnie was saying you know what southern man don't need you around Mm -hmm. anyhow Mm -hmm. kind of saying you wet liver lily lily livered liver lilied Canadian. <laughs> I mean, the fuckers are Canadian. Even worse, yeah. Southern men don't need you around. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know. I, was he just a fucking badass redneck? Well, he was that. Oh, he's badass. But, you know, there is a certain uh, stigma attached to Leonard Skinner these days. The shallow thinkers among us might think that they're just symbolism of a bunch of rednecks. For me, that's what they became after they carried on without yeah, okay. a proper band. yeah, yeah. Because if you see Leonard Skinner today on their Endless Farewell Tour, mm-hmm. it's of the southern states. Mm. And yeah, there's a hell of a lot of Trump-supporting, mm. gun-toting... Trailer dwellers. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and and Leonard Skinner, when they came to Britain mm-hmm. and did Nebworth in the 70s, mm-hmm. there were no rednecks in that audience. Those were thinking people 
who wanted to lead meaningful lives yeah. and who probably saw Leonard Skinner lowering that Confederate flag <laughs> as a kind of a ultimate, kind, like, like, as with the Sex Pistols yeah. or the Nirvana, the ultimate kind of provocation. Yeah. Uh, fist in the air, defiance, fuck the bullshit. Dead rock stars, a little light in the black. Can I ask you what you think would have happened had the crash not occurred? What would have happened is they'd have got their Learjet. Mm. They were looking forward to doing their very first headline show at Madison Square Garden, right, right. which was coming up. Yeah. Uh, Street Survivors was a great album. They mm. were still making mm. great records. I mean, that smell is... It's an unfortunate title, but it's a wonderful song. And I think maybe they'd have carried on. Would they still have been amazing 10 years later? Well, the Stones weren't. Zeppelin weren't. The 80s happened. Pink yeah. Floyd weren't amazing mm. 10 years after 1977. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so who knows? Who knows where the creative capital would have gone? Yeah. Mm. All right, good. Well... Uh, we normally, do we not, Mick, mm. assign marks out of five for the star quality and other criteria that we apply to the subject under discussion. Ronnie Van Zandt, was he a star? Ronnie was definitely a star. I'm going to say four. Mm, what, what didn't make him a five-star star? Instant recognition. Ah, uh, yeah. I think if he wanted to be not bothered by the fans, all he had to do was take that hat off. By the way, on the subject of Ronnie's hat, you know why he used to wear it, don't you? He was balding. No, just keep the sweat out of his eyes. <laughs> It's our catchphrase. Influence. That's a really interesting question. There haven't been that many southern rock bands that have really had an impact since. Then you hear Kid Rock mashing Sweet Mm. Home Alabama with Werewolf of London. There's a band called Blackstone Cherry. Yeah, yeah, who are carry that thing. Who are decent. Absolutely, yeah. You know, you listen to Paradise City by Guns N' Roses, Mm. and to Mm. me there's a real... That could be Sweet Home Alabama. Join me now, John. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm about to chime in with the... There's that Metallica song, isn't there? Um, Which Metallica song? Uh, is it The Four Horsemen that has that bit in the middle? And it doesn't really sound like Leonard Skinner. So it sounds like out of tune, Leonard No, it's not that either. It's a different chord sequence. But I'm trying to remember who it was who used to really take the piss out of Metallica or out of Lars. There was someone like Bernard Doe. Hang on, people used to take the piss out of Lars? Oh, I'm pretty sure it was Metal Forces. It wasn't me. Who wrote in their review of Kill Em All, that song sounds like Leonard Skinner. And it really pissed off Lars. And I've just dreamt all this. All right, good. Uh, is Ronnie's taste for excess? Now, we've talked a lot about this, actually. Do we happen to know if he shot up smack? Do we happen to know if, if he squired hundreds of females and all that? <laughs> I love that word, squired. Yeah, I like to throw it in. Do you mean time. Rogered? I don't know about shot up smack. I mean, all, mm-hmm. all I would say is that in the early 70s, I, I don't think he had to shoot, you know, shooting up smack's quite a step, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. did, he, did he ever snort heroin? Probably. You know, mm. I mean, it's I don't think... The realms of I, I can't imagine Ronnie going, oh, I'm terribly sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. Early, uh, early start uh, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, a bit early for me, thank you. I'll just <laughs> stick with the cocaine for now, thank you, devilish Dave and Motormouth Mike. Mm-hmm. I'll just have some of that biker speed that you guys are so jolly good at making. What should we say, three out of five? No, 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 I would say at least four. four a friend of mine... Not McCoskey, another guy who's also now dead, mm. turned up to interview Ronnie Van Zandt when they were in London. Mm. And he said he turned up at 10 in the morning. And in those days, lack of PRs, he just turned up. He banged on his door. He was staying at a suite in you know, the Hilton yeah, or something. Yeah. 
bangs on his door and he can hear, wait a minute, god damn it. <laughs> yeah. Ronnie comes to the door. Yeah. He's got no trousers on, just a, a nightshirt, a hat. Of course. His boots <laughs> and an open bottle of Dom Perignon. Oh. And there's a bird in the bed and he's like, okay, darling, I got business, so you better get. <laughs> I said, what time are you? He goes, 10 in the morning. I said, and what was it like? He goes, I just looked like it was five in the morning. The curtains are all drawn, whiskey everywhere, you know, paraphernalia everywhere. Oh, that's brilliant. You better get. <laughs> Death is a career move. Now, we're not talking about Ronnie Van Zandt in the same way we talk about Kurt Cobain, are we? Do you know what? I don't know. I mean... Um, they might be in Florida, you know. Well, I mean, no. Ronnie, very yeah. few rock stars have had the impact that Kurt Cobain had. But yeah, yeah. in terms of being cut off in your prime, you know, I think uh, you could certainly say that about Ronnie Van Zandt. So death is a career move, I don't think works entirely because... The best was still to come. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think, in fact, although it's immortalised them, it finished them. It finished yeah. them. You know, I don't know many people with a ton of Leonard Skinner albums in their collection. Mm-hmm. I don't know many people that could name you more than three or four Leonard Skinner tunes. Mm. So I don't think it was a particularly good move. No. All right. Okay, good. Well, here we go, team. How do we get from Ronnie Van Zant to our next dead rock star, Mick? For God's sake, tell us. Uh, why don't we read this in alternate uh, in an No, no, you just, you just... You want do me it. to do it? Yeah. <clears throat> Both Ronnie and the next subject, under discussion by my, my venerable friend Mick and me, were lead singers and the main songwriters in their respective bands. All right, that's quite dull. How about this? Both of their bands were named after real-life people, all right? In Skinner's case, it was just one person, but our next Dead Rock Stars band was named after two different people. While Ronnie sang about a guy called Wallace, our next dead rock star sang about a guy called Arnold. And finally, the departures of both Ronnie Van Zant and our next dead rock star were predicted to mark the end of their bands. Well, not only did their bands continue, they did so for decades longer. And that, friends, leads us to the end of this fantastic episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you very much, my dear friend Mick Wall. You sounded like you were reading that. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm gazing into the middle distance. Ah, they just came to you, those... Heartfelt magic words. words. Yeah. yeah, thank you very much, everyone, for listening to our uh, our country rock podcast today. <laughs> and goodbye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, ninety six percent replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a thirty night guarantee. Plus, get fifteen percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.